welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. It's another bonus episode week, so please enjoy some extra bits of a conversation I had with Jay Edidin from April of this year. Along the way, we discussed living up the road from your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, the right age to see Pulp Fiction, and the small perfect things that can be found in terrible, terrible films. We join this conversation already in progress. I normally say, what, what have you done today? But it's like my mind is mush because between midnight and 1.40, uh, I had a baby who would only sleep when vertical, not when horizontal. Oh, God. So it led to lots of walking back and forth next to a crib with a sleeping baby on my shoulder who slept as long as I kept moving. And the minute I put him down, it was the opposite of one of those dolls where when you put them down, their eyes go and close. So, yeah, that was a thing. Oof. And that's fine. I mean, because he's normally pretty good, but... Yeah, it was just one of those nights, and Kimiko was looking at me, and she's like, do you want me to take him? And I'm like, no, if I put him in the bed with you, he just squirms and wants to get up again. I'm fine. You sleep. And she's like, but you have a podcast tomorrow. I'm like, yes, I know I have a podcast tomorrow. It's okay. There's something that I've said it before. It's something that's kind of a little bit freeing about how unnegotiable a baby is. Yeah, I can you know? see that. It's There's there's no sense of, well, is this an obligation or a need? It's always a need. Exactly. And it's like, okay... It doesn't matter that I'm tired right now. It doesn't matter that I want to be doing something else. I have to do this or else, essentially. So there's no branching path. It's right. This is the thing I have to do right now. There's no question to it. And that's fine. So while that path is not always pleasant, it's just like there's no anxiety to it because there's no like, oh, I should be doing something else. Like, nope, this has to be my priority right now. It's cool. So what have you been up to? Today has been mostly a lot of errands, not wildly exciting ones. I went to the library and picked up a book that I had on hold, and I went to a pharmacy and I went to Trader Joe's, which are longer errands than they sound like because the latter two are in Manhattan, which is a 40-minute train ride away. But that, and I've been doing a lot of emailing. I forgot to ask, what borough are you in? I am in Queens. Um, oh, nice. Specifically, I'm in, I'm in Forest Hills, whose main claim to fame is that it's where Spider-Man lives. <laughs> just gonna ask the only person I know that lives in Queens is Ultimate Spider-Man, but that's me. Yeah, no, no, uh, 616 Spider-Man also does. Oh, cool, there you go. He is our friendly neighborhood superhero, officially. Dude. At some point, Elle has asked me to come on into it to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming, and I am, like, keyed up and ready to talk about that bit, where he, the, he uh, webs the guy who's trying to break into his own car, and then everyone starts yelling. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's just there in the middle looking right and left, like, I... I can I go? This, I don't think this actually involves me. One of the things I love most about Homecoming is that it manages to do a very good job of a kid trying to figure out how to be a superhero, and especially trying to be a grassroots superhero in a world where there's just really no framework for it. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what can I do right now? Well, right now I can give a lady directions, and she can buy me a churro, and that would be nice. I didn't see it in the theater because, baby... 
but when I was watching it and I think it's matched with the bit in the first Deadpool movie where he's in the backseat of the cab and bored where I actually laughed hard enough that I had trouble breathing and in both cases the people watching the movie with me were laughing but not as hard as that and wanted to know why and I just sort of choked something to the effect of it's perfect it's perfect I just can't have you have you seen um god now I'm blanking on the title of it because it's that kind of day infinity war yet not yet although I'm very keen to okay then I will only say because you already know that spider-man's in it because it's a mcu thing um he is as delightful as you'd hope Oh, good. I have a guy at my office who's like one desk over. He's a fan, but he is a purely an MCU fan. And so mm-hmm. he will do the thing where he's like, hey, Lucas, can you can I pick your brain for a minute? I'm like, okay, do you want me to look at your the thing you've been writing on your whiteboard? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Hey, so I got this teaser image for, for this, and I reckon this is what's going to happen. Is that what happens in the comics? And I go, <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right, sit down. Do, do you have 20 minutes? Once upon a time, there was a man named Adam Warlock. oh yes he's like hmm because in this toy the handle is wood but it looks like more of a natural wood so i reckon that the arm of baby groot is going to become the handle of of the new mjolnir and i'm just like i a if that's true that's a spoiler and b i don't know maybe (laughs) so yes i have to see it soon or else he is going to end up spoiling me (laughs) and also as we've become parents, we've become the masters of the 10 a.m. blockbuster movie screening. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> like the cranky old people that we are. Like, we will go to the far north of Sydney where Kimiko's parents live, drop off the baby at 9 a.m., run back into the car, book it to Macquarie Center, which is the closest mall, go to a coffee shop or something and load up on, like, nice pastries and coffee, hide it in a shopping bag, and go to the 10 a.m. session. And there's, like, us and, like, three other people brilliant <laughs> and Kimiko is like it's actually the cinema she used to work at when she was a teenager and she's looking around she's like I used to think people who would come to these 10 a.m. sessions were the weirdest people and now we're the weirdos it's true I think god the last 10 a.m. movie I remember having gone to might have been Batman and Robin oh wow in in second run I had a friend and we would <laughs> do similar things where we'd buy food somewhere else we had sort of a running escalation of what we could sneak into a movie theater I think our record was full ice cream sundaes <laughs> we'd usually go to daytime showings just because there and there was a, there was a cheap there was like a two dollar second run theater pretty near my house that we'd go to and then we went we went to see Batman and Robin there it was really bad <laughs> I have fond memories of second-run theaters. There was one across the street from my dad's work when I was a teenager. That was the Dolphin Theater, and it actually was... The title used to be, before it was the Dolphin, was A Theater Near You. So you could say it was coming, coming soon, soon to too. a theater to, <laughs> a theater near you. I know, it was so clever. I loved it. But yeah, that was also the first theater where I saw Pulp Fiction at the age of 14. We were trying to buy tickets because we, we were the kids who would see everything that showed there. Because mm. what else are you going to do? It's $2.50. We had to get my dad's friend Chris from work to come over and buy the tickets for us. Because <laughs> the guy wouldn't sell it to us. And we didn't know why. And I was like, this is, this is stupid. Well, we've seen R-rated movies before. You know, we've seen action movies and stuff. And then we watched the movie and we knew why. <laughs> is it that much worse? I don't have a solid... My, my sense of child appropriateness is really, really skewed. Because while my parents kind of filtered my media consumption when I was a kid. They only did it for graphic violence. Hmm, okay. So, and even that got much, much, much more flexible when I was old enough to have coherent conversations about it. Hmm. 
I think what it was at the time was the stuff that shocked me, at least when I was 14, because things I'd seen, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal mow down bad guys or break arms, and it was no big deal. Uh, I think it was the uh, the Uma Thurman overdose scene mm-hmm. that really threw me and how it was played as this really scary thing that was happening. And I knew a little bit about drugs, but I was not so close to be like, okay, I know exactly what's happening. It's just, no, she just starts bleeding, and it's a terrifying, like, milky mess. And he's screaming and panicking, and I don't know why. It's like that that level of stuff was the thing where I was going, huh, maybe we shouldn't be seeing this. But that's me. Fair. The first time I saw Pulp Fiction, I don't know how old I was, but it was because my parents got invited to a Pulp Fiction-themed party, or costume party, and they hadn't seen it, so we rented it. Research. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That was the same reason I saw all of the Harry Potter films, up to Goblet of Fire, because uh, I had been picked to be Hagrid, at the Borders bookstore that I was working at in order to, uh, for a, I was thinking the Half-Blood Prince book launch. And I don't know why, I'm like 5'9", I'm not particularly tall, and I didn't have a beard then. So they just went, all right, you're doing it. So I'm like, well, I better do my research. So I rented all the movies and watched them in like a day. It did not help. Like I didn't magically learn how to do some kind of gruff Yorkshire accent from that. So well, at least I was able to say I had seen the movies then. That's fair. I've still only seen the first one. Actually, the first one stopped me from seeing the others for a while because, again, at the time I hadn't read the books because I was, you know, a shitty 19-year-old who was too cool for such things. And my little sister was like, oh, this is this movie I watch. And so I watched it with her. I'm like, this seems really twee and nothing has any stakes. And I don't really really like it. And then every time someone mentioned it, I would say that exact phrase and that got me by. And then it became too big to avoid (laughs) I read the books because I had a housemate who collected them avidly. And I've actually, I've read all but the last one because what I discovered when Miles and I moved to Oregon was that my level of interest in Harry Potter was such that I would read copies if they were in my house, but I wouldn't seek them out otherwise. So I I never quite, which also tells you when we moved, so I I never quite got around (laughs) to finishing the series and basically felt the same about the movies, but sort of implicitly objected to the first one because I don't like it much as an adaptation. And I'm kind of, I'm a snobby jerk about some things, and adaptation quality is one of them. Oh, Jay, not you. You you wouldn't see the person to have standards about things. The thing is, my standards, it's, it's not that I dislike it because it's not as good a movie as I want it to be. I, I dislike it because I feel like it fails at, at adapting a book which is also, you know, fairly good and not spectacular in some really fundamental ways. That's a weird thing. Like, I will cheerfully watch and enjoy very bad movies before I'll watch okay movies that are bad adaptations. Ah, gotcha. I say this as a staunch defender of X-Men Origins Wolverine, so. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I find I get I get a little bit invested in when you talk about something that's like an, an okay adaptation. Some of the stuff that an adaptation that ends up just being okay or not great will like studiously get right. Like for a little while, I did a ton of research into like some of the costuming and set design of the Golden Compass movie. Oh, yeah. And like I remember seeing that in the theater and thinking, oh, that was fun. I'll go read the books and then reading the books and going, oh, these are really good. That's not what was on the screen. But then looking back and going, okay, all of the casting in that movie is perfect. Yeah, the casting is phenomenal. The visual design is perfect. It's like that sort of Weta Workshop level of detail where it's like everything has to be physical. Everything has to have the marks of a thing that you would have. And someone gave great detail to, you know, everyone's outfits and how worn or not worn they would be. Like nothing is casually done in that movie with the exception of the writing. Yeah. And I mean, God, Sam Elliott and Kathy Bates 
as uh, Lee Scoresby and Hester. God, yes. It's like, holy shit. Yes. Oh. I mean, I don't think Sam Elliott's ever actually been bad in anything, but mm. yeah. Oh. Just that sort of, like, they are the, the people equivalent of a careworn and beat-to-shit leather satchel. And it's like, oh, every bit of this is perfect. Ah, oh, well put. Yeah. And, or God, even while I'm not a, a huge fan of hers, uh, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman was stunningly good in that role. Icily perfect. And just mm-hmm. being like, you're awful, but you're really good at being awful. Yeah, she's just just impeccably and elegantly terrible. So yeah, all the various good things in that movie, and I'm just like, I forget who said it. I'm going to steal a line from Twitter and say that, you know, it's it, comparing to Jupiter and setting. The least interesting thing about it is that it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, like, I, we are still, like, again, held up by the lack of internet. We are in the middle of watching Defenders. And I want to have in-depth conversations about how the fight choreography has devolved from the first season of Daredevil mm-hmm. and has been taken over by the Iron Fist school, which is, uh, let's see how many things we can throw into the scene narratively to show why our protagonist can't fight. So, very quick warning, I live near a fire station. That is why I can hear it. That is why you can hear <laughs> sirens. I was going to say we might want to pause for a moment. Ah, we're still in the pre-show. It can... Although this one doesn't appear to be moving, it's just sort of going. <laughs> going hey i'm here hey yeah. hey i'm here no it's this is this is a running issue with explain the x-men too because i live right by a fire station and miles lives right by a hospital and between the two of us we've usually got three or four sirens an episode that we have to pause for okay <laughs> it's actually getting closer now so. oh there it is exciting adventures I also live by a mortuary, which is much, much quieter. <laughs> You'd imagine it would be. I yeah. think if it was louder, it would be a less successful mortuary. Or a really successful one. <laughs> we haven't had it yet in this house much, but Sydney is like 90% flight path because the airport was built before the suburban sprawl really took it over. Mm. So it's like right in the middle of the city. And so usually planes coming from overseas have to bank over the city before they can land. And there are parts of Newtown, which is where I used to live, where you can graph rental prices depending on where, you know, your Emirates or Etihad planes will make their turns. And it's like, on my Instagram story, I've taken a picture of a plane that was overhead and had a few terrified Americans right back saying, are you okay? Are you sure that should be that close? And I'm like, yes, (laughs) it happens all the time. So yeah, it'll just be like, I'll be talking to someone and then I'll watch the waveform become like a block because it'll be... Like it's cool. It'll happen. It'll it'll go past. I can cut it out. It's fine. All right. I think we're done with the fire truck. Cool. Four or five months ago, my computer decided to go from a rock solid recording platform to something that gives me error messages that just say system overload, and I didn't Ooh. think error messages say that anymore. Like I figured it would be like error one two five or something. No, no. Eventually, it's just going to be a little crying Mac icon. You're not even that. Eventually, it won't even be an image. You'll just hear a little... <laughs> oh. It's like, oh, sorry, little MacBook. 